Coming up on the WAC podcast, WAC football season is underway. We had a week zero game, and Kendra Sheehan was there, so I'll have a report about that. We're also going to talk to Todd Witten, the head coach at Carlton, as the Texans opened the season on Thursday night against Mississippi Valley State. And we had a huge win in men's soccer as Seattle U knocked off number four ranked Notre Dame. That's all ahead on the WAC podcast. Welcome to the WAC Podcast. Today's episode is presented by Hercules Tires. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Danner and Kendra Sheehan. Oh, hey guys. <laughs> Welcome to another week of the WAC Podcast, Fall Sports. Fully underway, week zero, football done, dusted, goodbye, and we turn our attention to week one, but I guess we will go back for week zero. Um, yeah, let's keep Steven, our attention on week zero just for now. Yeah, just and for then, now, and then, then, we'll then we're going to turn one. it. And week zero, uh, not the results we wanted, Stephen F. Austin falling to Jacksonville State in Montgomery, Alabama, and our own Kendra Sheehan had a chance to go to the game, did all kinds of social media posts. You got to travel with her from Denver to Alabama. You got to, to see her running in the rain. To, <laughs> twice. <laughs> once, but twice. Huh? Uh, you had the running in the rain post with a Stephen F. Austin representative uh, also running with you. So, Kendra, uh, I, I know not the results we wanted to, but kind of give us a synopsis of, you know, being being there in the stadium and what the atmosphere was like. It was pretty good when it was 14 to seven, I think. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. It was uh it was a really cool atmosphere. Yeah. If you followed along our Instagram wax sports, I really, and I think it actually is connected to our Facebooks. You might be able to see the stories on right. there. Um, but you know, I took you along. We went to flew into Birmingham, drove to Montgomery and um, it was just a really cool environment. I think, you know, Jacksonville state is about, I want to say two, two and a half hours from the Crampton bowl, which is where it was held. And then, you know, Stephen F Austin is however many 15 hours away. It did act as a Jacksonville state home game. And you could really tell, I mean, they had so many fans there. They really packed that side of the stadium, but Stephen F Austin had a really good amount of fans there too, especially for the distance that it was. I got to talk to a bunch of bunch of fans who were, um, Alabama native. So they were living in the area. And of course we're going to go out and support their, their alma mater. I got a chance to go before the game. They had a donor and alumni pop-up event at the hotel and, um, got to talk with, you know, uh, Ryan Ivy, the athletic director and some former football players. So there were people really excited about, you know, Stephen F. Austin and at the game, it was pretty electric. We got a lot of fans together, um, and got them cheering. So there, there was definitely a good, good crowd out there. I think, um, you know, Stephen F. Austin came out to play. They scored the first touchdown of the game. It was and then it was like, you know, Stephen F. Austin scored, then Jacksonville State scored. Stephen F. Austin scored, Jacksonville State scored. Stephen F. Austin, Chris Campos knocks down, I want to say, 35-yard field goal. Mm -hmm. Stephen F. Austin blocks Jacksonville State's opportunity. So, um, you know, it was really hyped, but I think, you know, as, as you went to the locker room, it was such a close game, but the Gamecocks did score that touchdown right before the half, and it made it a four-point game. I think it was 21 
21-17 at the half, very close, but just that second half, man, they, the, uh, the Gamecocks came out with a lot more energy. They scored a touchdown early and it just kind of, things just started to fall apart from there for the lumberjacks. But, um, you know, we did go into a rain delay, uh, with about around 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And it didn't seem, I think we went to rain delay around five or 6 PM, uh, central time. And it wasn't, it was a hundred percent. Like we, there was no chance that we could play until like at least eight 30 was what I had heard. And, you know, it's 30 minutes for every lightning strike it within, uh, a seven mile radius. And so it just, as it, as it kept progressing, as the, you know, storm cells continued to roll into the area, they just made the decision. Both head coaches talked and decided that, you know, being that's the fourth quarter, being the score that it was, they just called the game, um, which, you know, uh, you know, I think it was a disappointing trip for Stephen F. Austin, but certainly an opportunity for them to learn. I think nobody really knew what Jacksonville State really had coming into this year. They had a new head coach. They're transitioning to FBS. They brought in a lot of Power Five transfers. It was a really close game last year, but I think this team is really Jacksonville State's really ready to take it to the next level at the FBS level, and I don't think it's you know any shame for for the Lumberjacks and, and the result that they had. Yeah, a couple things that. You mentioned Jacksonville State with, you know, a pretty good contingency of fans and people might not realize that this is Jacksonville, Alabama, not Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. Where they play. <laughs> so it's much closer to where the Crampton Bowl is. And then Rich Rodriguez, the new head coach, uh, being familiar with college football fans. He was at West Virginia as the head coach. He was at Michigan as the head coach. He was at Arizona as the head coach. So a lot of big time D1 experience and Certainly, as you said, they're they're looking to take uh, Jacksonville State football to the next level, which they have. And in you know, I, I talked to uh, Kobe Carthel as you did at Football Media Day. Jacksonville State transitioning to FBS does have more scholarships available than SFA does, so they can go up to the the uh, I think it's seventy five eighty five in the transition, uh, whereas FCS is I believe sixty right now in the number of scholarships, uh, 60 or 65 that they can have. So that's, you know, it's, it's significant. So, so not to uh, poo poo that, but, um, also Xavier Gibson. Uh, Oh yeah. How could I mention had, the highlight? Oh, had, had, I didn't do my man justice. <laughs> the the uh, lack top play this week. And in the, in the process became the all time receiving yardage leader in Stephen F history, which has a very robust history and, uh, he's only a junior. Yeah. Xavier Gibson is a guy that definitely oh, is Xavier Gibson. Xavier Gibson is yeah. definitely a guy to watch out for. And that was such a perfect, you know, ball thrown by Trey yeah. South. It was right over the top. He was wide open and he just, he has got the speed. So once he made the catch, he was right by the end zone. He could just run it right in. There was no chance. So really cool for him. And, and actually on their Twitter. So the guy that broke, he broke his record Cordell. He made a video posting saying, you know, no better guy to break it. Like then, then Xavier, he's like, you know, you keep, you keep taking your game to the next level. You know, I hope that, you know, NFL scouts are looking cause they'd be crazy not to give you a chance. So pretty cool just to see, you know, guys 
still plugged into SFA and, you know, Xavier, Xavier Gibson is, is a guy that you're going to need to watch out for this season. You know, he had flashes, he had some good plays. He obviously had that 50 yard receiving touchdown that put him into the, the record books, but you know, he's, he's a solid guy and, you know, he was, he was held up, you know, he was, he was marked pretty well during this game, but, um, you know, he's still able to break free because that's just, you know, the, the dynamic player that he is. Yeah. I would imagine that uh, Jacksonville state, uh, was well aware that, uh, of his explosiveness and that he was still able to get that 50 yard touchdown. Uh, pretty amazing. Now, Stephen F Austin, uh, they don't get to take a week off here, Kendra. They are back no. at it again, as we have a full schedule coming up here in officially week number one. That was week zero last week. Stephen F. will be at Alcorn State this upcoming Saturday. So two road games in a row to start the season for Colby Carthel's team. But we have Thursday night football and three whack home games to start the season. We're going to talk with Carlton head coach Todd Witten here in segment number two. They open with Mississippi Valley State. Uh, this is a, a team from the SWAC that uh, – I know we played uh, a few WAC teams last year and uh, a real good opportunity for Tarleton to start off on the right foot. Certainly. Um, you know, Tarleton just named their starting quarterback. He's a guy, uh, Bo Allen. Bo Allen from Kentucky. Yeah. So he's a redshirt freshman, but, um, you know, he was the backup quarterback at Kentucky. Excited to see what he brings to the table. You know, Lamar, or Abilene Christian, will host Lamar. That'll be an exciting matchup for first year head coach, Keith Patterson to see, uh, you know, the, the former defensive coordinator at Texas tech, see how he puts everything together as a head coach. And then our good team out in Utah, Southern Utah is going to host St. Thomas, uh, Minnesota. Right. So their first game as a member of the WAC, so all three of those will be live on ESPN Plus, so you can check those games out if you have the ESPN Plus subscription. And then we have, as we mentioned, Stephen F. will be at Alcorn State Saturday, but Sam Houston traveling to Texas A&M. Kendra, this will be a uh, an early start from College Station. And as the crow flies, uh, Huntsville and College Station, not really too far away. So Casey Keeler, when we talked to him at Media Day, I know he told me that uh, – they're not going for a paycheck. They're going to win. Yeah, no, this is a, a matchup that I'm super excited for just because, you know, Sam Houston has, has been elite in the FCS for the past two years. And now they're making that transition. So they've added extra guys. They've brought in a lot of transfers. I think, uh, um, Cody Crest had mentioned that 50% of the locker room is, is new guys, but he feels like they're gelling really well together. Well, this is the ultimate test. You're coming out week one and you're taking on Texas A&M, a team coached by Jimbo Fisher. I know him well as the former FSU head coach, but you know, uh, you know, he always has a phenomenal recruiting class. He really knows how to um, bring in great recruits to the area. So, you know, that team is going to be going to be good. And so it'll be interesting to see how Sam Houston stacks up against that. Well, the Aggies ranked number six in the FBS, and, and there's talk of them, you know, potentially being in a college playoff, potential national champion type of team this year. And every year, uh, just like when Jimbo Fisher was at Florida State, brings in all the talent. And, he, and this year certainly uh, has a lot of talent on that team. And 
you know, maybe it's one of those situations where they could be, I don't know, maybe overlook Sam Houston. And, you know, the Bearcats have a tradition of winning. You talked about the standard. I know during media day with uh, Cody Crest and Trevor Williams and Casey Keeler, and they don't get to go to the playoffs this year. They don't get to win the WAC championship because of the tra- that transition. I-, I would think beating a number six ranked Texas A&M team might, uh, might be a good <laughs> uh, trophy for them if, if they would do something like that. Eh, you know, who knows that? Eh. <laughs> no, they, uh, yeah, certainly they, and, and it really, the part about it that is really cool is the culture that they create there where they're not playing for anything. And you have guys who are like that, you know, they were obviously a little bit, I think, you know, bummed at first or like, Oh man. But when, when you think about it and, and head coach Casey Keeler had made a great point that, you know, in 10 years, we come back for our championship reunion and, you know, we see how much Sam Houston has grown and the type of, you know, caliber that they are playing at the FBS level. Like that's all on what these guys did. So this is a very important transition year for them. And I think they all bought into that. And I do not believe they have named their starting quarterback yet, though. I was trying to creep on their social media. I know it was between, uh, shoe Jordan shoemaker. And then they had brought in a transfer from Georgia tech. And so it'll be interesting to see, I don't see anything on their social. So I do apologize, Sam Houston, for listening. You did name your starting quarterback, but, uh, should be interesting to see, uh, who they have out there, uh, under center starting Saturday. Yeah. That's actually a uh, Keegan, uh, shoemaker Keegan. Yeah. Oh, and then is it Jordan? It's Jordan Yates. Yeah. Jordan Shoemaker is going to be out there. <laughs> a combo so, yeah, he, he of both. He did get some time last year with Eric Schmidt when he was out. And uh, Keegan went in and uh, won kind of a big game for the Bearcats, if you call the Battle of the Piney Woods a big game. Uh, <laughs> what <laughs> What fun. is what is the Battle of the Piney Woods? Can somebody <laughs> explain to me? And that will uh, be, what, October 1st on uh, in uh, Energy Stadium, October 1st or 2nd. I'm trying to think here. I believe it's October 1st. Excellent. October 1. So uh, we have that game to look forward to. And then also Utah Tech opens the season at Sacramento State. Now, last year, Utah Tech, when they were Dixie State, opened the season with Sacramento State and gave them a really good game. And the the thing about the uh, Trailblazers is, they played such a tough schedule, so many ranked teams last year. And a lot of that had to do with when we added football kind of late in the uh, in terms of scheduling, Utah Tech already had a number of games scheduled against these uh, top teams in the FCS, the Sacramento State being among them. So they were in St. George last year. This year they opened the season in Sacramento. The Hornets, by the way, ranked number seven in the FCS start the season so uh paul peterson and utah tech once again not uh not doing the easy schedule to start the year yeah no messing around for utah tech hey one way to find out about your team is week one schedule a really tough opponent and then you can figure out exactly what you need to work on for the rest of the season especially since football you know no time to waste there so very exciting to uh have all our teams officially underway this week and we'll be sure to break down all the results of those next week's podcast can you wait can't, can't wait for it can't can you wait, wait for that and saying? we also are releasing our basketball conference schedules uh, this week 
Uh, we'll, we'll have separate videos on those, so we're not going to dive into this just yet, just making people aware that the uh, basketball conference schedule will uh, be out this week, and uh, December 29th will be the opening uh, weekend of play for WAC basketball, and using the uh, different system, you know, to have the teams with the better records from last year playing the teams with better records and not necessarily the travel partner setup. The travel is going to be a little different. So 13 teams also kind of a tough number when you're scheduling. So we'll, we'll be uh, uh, looking forward to that release. Men's soccer got underway last week, Kendra, and opening day was or opening night was Thursday. And nothing like starting the season. Seattle U had them do the uh, Instagram takeover and followed them along to Notre Dame where they did nothing but shock the fourth-ranked Notre Dame Fighting Irish 3-1 to one behind two goals from Declan McGlynn. I know. What a way for Pete Fewing and his squad to start the year. You go to Notre Dame fourth ranked and then you just come out I mean they they came out ready to play Declan McGlynn two goals we had the beautiful header goal that was in our whack top play package he scored in the 50th and the 65th minute this was just a great overall win for the Red Hawks a gritty win to you know you know, hold on to the lead and also, you know, just keep pushing the pace. You know, it never felt like they settled. They kept pushing the field and, uh, and it, and it rewarded them. So this is a team that I think that after seeing this performance now, of course, we'll see how they continue to play, but it's a team I'm really excited about too this year. And then they did follow that up, unfortunately, with a loss to uh, <laughs> Kentucky, uh, one nil, as you like to say, in one uh, nil. Uh, now, keep in mind, uh, Kentucky, one of the top-ranked teams in the nation as well. They're ranked number six. So, I mean, you go from the number four team to the number six team. So, one nothing loss at Kentucky. Not uh, not anything to shake your head at there either. Uh, Notre Dame did drop to number 22 after the loss to <laughs> Seattle. And uh, looking at the, uh, the rankings here, Seattle did not uh, crack the top 25, but they have a chance to redeem themselves there at Louisville. So they must be spending the entire week in the bluegrass state. They'll be at Louisville on Friday, and then they'll be at San Francisco. So Pete Ewing, talk about uh, football teams uh, not uh, scheduling weak opponents to start the year. Uh, Pete Ewing starting off the two teams in the top 10 and uh, in Louisville in the first week of the season. Yeah, I think this is a, you know, great decision by Pete Fewing. Let's, let's get this little one. You get this little road trip at the beginning of the season. Now, of course you have all summer that you guys are training together, but nothing like team bonding, like a road trip when you guys are spending a lot of time together. So I think the team will really learn a lot about themselves, not only on the pitch, but as well as chemistry and gelling outside of that. Women's soccer in their second week. Kendra and Utah Valley continues, or Southern Utah, Utah Valley, both continue to roll. Uh, the Thunderbirds remain unbeaten, the only team 4-0 in the league. Gianna Gorley, who is our WAC preseason player of the year from GCU, she uh, is our WAC offensive player of the week. Uh, CBU coming up with the defensive player of the week, and it's early on, but, uh, you know, starting to see some trends here. One of the things I think we talked about a little bit last week was the ties, and we're going to see a lot more ties, especially seeing that on the women's side through two weeks. 
Utah Valley with uh, two ties now in uh, in just uh, three matches as there is no longer overtime in the regular season. Yeah, just going through these standings, it's so weird when you see, you know, the streak, it's tied one, tied one. What happens when it's tied four, tied, you know, just so interesting. But Southern Utah, new to the league this year, is is a team that I don't think we really knew too much about. They're 4-0, so be interesting. These are, you know, only non-conference matchups, but it should be interesting to see how uh, how they progress throughout the season. But, of course, you know, Grand Canyon, always always a candidate. California Baptist, now officially eligible for everything, finishing their transition. A lot of good teams in WAC women's soccer. Utah Valley, let me just touch on this. One of those two ties was against Central Florida, a top 25-ranked team, so... Uh, they only have one goal in three matches, but uh, they've only given up uh, two goals. Uh, no, they have two goals. Let's see, three. Sorry, there's three, three goals versus one. They've only given up one goal in three matches. That's what I was trying to say there. So, very good defense. Uh, of course, headed by Jenna Shepard, the WAC preseason defensive player of the year. Volleyball also got underway this past week, Kendra, and a lot of tournaments. That's that's kind of what they do. Volleyball early in the season. You know, do a lot of different lineups uh, and a lot of different sets to see what uh, what works, what doesn't work. And uh, early on in the year, uh, Stephen F. Austin is off to a very hot start. Yeah, you got to love those tournaments. I remember back in the day, back in my playing days, and we have the tournaments. And, you know, after the match, you all sit on the floor and you have your little power snacks and then you get ready to play again. And it's just it's just a really cool opportunity. Utah Valley, though, Kazna Tanavasa. She is, she's been an incredible player for Utah Valley. She notched her, uh, well, she didn't notch, but she uh, broke the record for all-time kills leader at Utah Valley. And I looked at the play and it was, so it was her sixth kill of the match. And it was almost like a roll shot. I think it was a roll shot over the block and then it landed in the middle. And she was kind of like, oh, like, yeah, like this, what a one to do it. You know, it wasn't a, you know, a spike right to the ground. But, you know, when you look at these, the great volleyball players are the ones that recognize where the holes are. It's those tips. It's hitting line when, um, you know, your, your defense has shifted over to take the cross away. So, you know, seeing that just recognizes she's a great player, but of course it's just funny that it's like a little roll shot and then boom, that was, you know, kill 1,601. <laughs> well, the, the interesting thing there is, you know, she gets the extra year with the COVID year. So, but at the same time, you don't see a whole lot of volleyball all-time records being set because back in my day, there was a different scoring system. So yeah. the only time you could get points in collegiate volleyball is if you were serving. That's and true. they played to 15. Then they went to the rally scoring system where you go to 25, and except for the fifth set when you go to 15. So there was a lot more opportunities for kills. Matches were much longer. And so that's why you don't really see a lot of these all-time leaders, a lot of times, a lot of these records being broken because of that. So Cosmo Tanavasa, yes, she does get, does get the extra year. But, hey, what first first match of the season. So it's not like yeah. it the final match. And the fact that there's a different scoring system. So it just goes to show you what a tremendous player she's been her entire career. By the way, she did that against Kansas. When she yeah. as Utah Valley played Kansas and Utah at a uh, Utah tournament last week. They do have Cal uh, coming up on Thursday, so they get a Power 5 opponent uh, visiting Utah Valley this week, so that's always uh, good to watch. And then uh, 
looking down the road, uh, we, we might have them on our uh, WAC Instagram takeover. I think that's uh, being talked about, if you will. Also, I uh, wanted to mention Carlton Football will be on our Instagram takeover on Thursday. So you want to watch for that on our Instagram. You get to see a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, you know, what they're what they're eating, you know, before the game, you know. It's different. Whoever whoever has the account kind of, you know, a lot of what their personality is. Maybe some people get a lot of stuff, some people not so much, but uh, it's always fun to watch to get that kind of behind-the-scenes perspective. Yeah, I do like seeing what each, you know, player decides because we give some guidelines, but I think it's really, you know, take it how you want do whatever you want with it. And so it's kind of fun to see how each athlete, you know, kind of takes it and they show their friends and what they're doing. It's just fun. And it's another, you know, unique thing that, you know, you don't always get to see if you're not following the wax sports because you wouldn't know. So make sure you do, you go do that wax sports on Instagram. Yeah, it was kind of interesting last week. We had Seattle U men's soccer do the takeover. They beat Notre Dame, and I'm expecting to see this, you know, yeah, dog we... pile or locker room <laughs> celebration. And I think is is match one of the year. And and Pete Ewing, you know, they've been there, they've done that, and uh, on to the next match. <laughs> Yeah, there there was a picture of them having pizza and they just looked a little tired afterwards. Like, oh, no big deal. Just eating some pizza. Like, what? <laughs> I mean, I guess they're thinking, hey, we got to play number six like Kentucky here. In a, in a day yeah, it's true. Can't celebrate too much. <laughs> but uh, so that wraps up this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk to the head football coach at Tarleton, Todd Witt. You're listening to the Wack Podcast. Hercules Tires is the official tire of the Western Athletic Conference and for more than 65 years has been providing tires with unbeatable quality at an unmatched value. Whatever the vehicle and whatever the terrain, Hercules Tires invites you to ride on our strength. For a retailer near you, visit HerculesTires.com. Welcome back to the Wax Podcast. Eric Banner and Ken now joined by the Charleston Texans head football coach, Todd Whitten. Coach Whitten, welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Coach, I uh, appreciate you taking some time out on this busy week. You get to open Thursday night, uh, Thursday night football at home. I imagine you've been ready for this for a long time. Tell me what uh, practice has been like this week leading up to your matchup tomorrow night against Mississippi Valley State. Yeah, we've had a really good camp. Um, we're a little bit banged up, probably like most college football teams, but um, I think we've got really good leadership. Um, we've got we've, 20 of our guys have already graduated. So we, we, we've not, you know, we, we've got a, a veteran team, I think. And, um, and that usually kind of lends itself to having good workouts and, and, having good leadership. So I've been awfully proud of our guys. Uh, you know, we just got to go and get ready and play well now tomorrow night. Coach, when we spoke with you at media day, you had mentioned that you wanted this team to be consistent and you felt like you guys had really good games last year and then some that just, you should have won. And so how has that consistency been during practice you know, as you lead up to this first week one matchup, are the guys consistently, you know, with the energy that you're looking for, with the intensity and in practice, how do you feel like that has been uh, working the past uh, week or so? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and and I think very well. That is, I've been one of our, our real points of emphasis 
Um, I thought we were over penalized a year ago, uh, too many pre-snap penalties. Um, we played really well at times. And, and, and then a couple of times last year, we went out and just um, played very poorly. And so I was very disappointed in that. And so, yeah, we're really trying to, to put one day after another of good workouts and stack them on top of each other. And then, and then hoping that will lead into our season where we can, where we can play well, play clean um, week after week. And it all starts here in, in week one. But, um, um, you know, the main thing is, is um, uh, you know, from an assignment standpoint, from a penalty standpoint, um, just a lot of the little things that I think we need to get cleaned up. And, and I, and I think, We've been working really hard on that, and I think we're we're on the road to getting those things accomplished. Coach, you get to open the season at home, as we mentioned, Thursday night football. What do you think the atmosphere is going to be like tomorrow night in Stephenville? I had a chance to go out there last year. It's a beautiful stadium, and especially when the sun's going down and you get that that Texas sunset, it's it's really beautiful there. Uh, expecting a big crowd and and. If people are considering, ah, maybe I'll go, maybe I don't go. Why, why is it important that everybody comes out to that game tomorrow night? Well, yeah, you know, in, in my opinion, there's no better place than Stephenville, Texas, and and Tarleton State University. I think we have we have great fans, and I think we will have a really really good crowd. And so, um, I've been uh, I've been coaching around here a long time, and. Um, our, our, our fans always do a great job. We have great tailgates, but I think it's especially true on Thursday nights that, that we have a great showing. And so, um, so our expectations are high and we think, we think that, uh, that our fans will show up and, and have a great time and be loud. And we've got a great student body, uh, so much school spirit here at Tarleton. And so, and I think that'll be on display as well. And not to, you know, sway anyone a certain way, but I, I was reading this article that for the first time in school history, alcohol will be sold at home regular season games. And so beginning on Thursday, you got a happy hour going from 530 to 630. So if if anything, to draw the, the fans out, it's it's certainly the product that you're going to put on the field, but also there's a happy hour coming, right? <laughs> That's what I'm to understand. Um, but like you said, we're, we're focused on uh, having our guys ready and um, uh, going out and, and uh, getting off to a great start here for this 2022 season. I did see. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Eric. I was going to jump on your question. Live on ESPN Plus. And coach, we talked to you uh, about a month ago, I guess. Seems, seems like maybe a little longer ago at Football Media Day. And the question was who's going to be starting at quarterback. So have we, uh, have we decided on that? Uh, now we're on the eve of the season. Yes. Uh, Bo Allen is going to be our starting quarterback. He's a young man that transferred in here um, late in the summer from the university of Kentucky. And uh, he's, he's done very well. He has, he's a freshman. He has four years to play. However, he, he did graduate from high school two years ago. So he was, he was the uh, backup at Kentucky each of the last two seasons. Uh, of course, he redshirted one of those, and then one of those was the COVID year. And so uh, so still has four years to play. And 
Uh, we're excited about Bo, but but we also understand Bo's a young a young guy that has not played a lot since high school, and so uh, we're gonna kind of ease him in out there. And and but I think I think we'll see big things from him. He's a really good player. We got the hashtag from your Twitter going. Hashtag Bo knows. Hashtag It's Showtime. Very excited to see that you named a starting quarterback. What were some of the other position battles that were going on and, and where have they progressed? Do you feel like this, who your starters that are going to be on Thursday night, are some of them still kind of a trial of, of, you know, still kind of a battle of who really could take this spot for the rest of the season? Or you feel pretty solid with the lineup that's going to be going out there? Uh, well, again, I think another really good question. Um, and, and the early parts of college football seasons are, are filled with us still trying to make these decisions. Um, you know, I think that's one of the greatest things the NFL does that you get to play a handful of preseason games. And so you sort of get to figure that out in some regards. You know, they probably for the most part know, but, but, um, I, I probably can speak for a lot of college head coaches, what we wouldn't give for a preseason game to where we could get a little better idea. But but usually through your first couple of weeks is when things really sort of get sorted out. Um, we've got a good group of running backs, all, all really good players in our opinion. Um, and so we're going to probably play a handful of those guys uh, in the early weeks here as, as the season gets going. Um, you know, across the defensive front, there'll probably be the same thing going on there. We we're pretty established with our offensive line, um, but but in different different parts of our football team, we'll continue to have guys battle and and hope to have everything worked out by the time we get into conference. Coach, on the defensive side of the ball, uh, you, you had the, the task of trying to replace or or at least. Uh, you know, have some have a different defense without Devin Hafford, one of the top players in the league last year in our first year back with football. And I know he was with the Patriots during training camp. What is the, what is the defensive side going to look like? How, how different is it going to be maybe from a year ago? Well, you know, we had two two secondary players, um, uh, Devin and Benji, um, and and unfortunately they they were both just cut I believe yesterday um so we had we had two secondary players that made it all the way to the final cut and that is um that's pretty impressive and pro probably a good indicator that they'll get another opportunity to go and play and so um so you know anytime you lose the whack defensive player of the year you know that's going to be kind of hard to uh, to replace and so but but we've got a lot of guys one of our team strengths I think overall is we're athletic and we've got pretty good team speed and, and we can move our feet. And so, um, you know, I think the fact that we've got guys that can run will give us a chance to go and, and, and still play well and be good on defense. On the other side of the ball, you had mentioned you have a lot of running backs this year. One of the one who will be new to your roster this year is Mookie Douglas. I spoke with him on Instagram live just a few weeks ago when we were running Tarleton football preview day and he spent the last four years at East Central but he's pretty excited to from what I heard obviously get to work with the Texans what have you seen from him during the summer and how big of an impact do you think he can have immediately on this roster 
he is, he's a really good player and he had a great career over at East central in Oklahoma. And, uh, one of our really good, strong leaders, um, and, you know, the best thing about Mookie is he's a veteran and he's played a good bit. And, and you know, one, one thing that they all have in common, running backs, they, they all want the ball, but there's only one ball. And so, um, you know, as we're going to as we're going to kind of spread things around and we have, like I said, we've got three or four running backs with all kind of different skill sets. And so. Um, you know, one of the best things about having Mookie is is sort of his ability, his leadership to to help hold all of that together and keep that running back room, uh, you know, in 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 good spirits. Um, you know, because again, they all want to carry it twenty times a game, and we, and that's impossible. So, but we're going to need all of them to factor into our game plan, and so. Um, but Mookie's a, a really, really good football player, and we're glad to have him. Coach, how about up front? So that's that's a lot of times where the games are won and lost, as they say. So on the, the offensive and defensive line, how are you guys looking right now? Well, on offense, we've got four starters back, and so um, and we have a fifth guy that's started two or three games a year ago. So that should be one of our strengths. My expectations are high for that group, and so uh, – I expect that they will come out and play well on Thursday night. Um, across the defensive line, um, we'll have some new faces, but also some guys that have played for us, uh, a little bit banged up there. So we're going to be rolling guys in and out of there. Um, that's where the defensive side's a little bit different. Um, whereas we'll, you know, you tend to substitute and play more guys and, Try to have guys out there that are that can run and chase the ball and, and stay fresh. Whereas on the offensive side, you know, in a, in a in most football games, those guys will play seventy something snaps, all of them, and so uh, they've got to be ready to go. Continuing kind of previewing, you know, all aspects of the game for special teams. You know, that's a part where you know really important to be fundamentally sound. Make sure you you know get that yardage or don't give up anything that you don't want to, we saw, you know, in week zero, how important special teams can be. How do you feel about, about that side of, of the ball? And, um, you know, some of your, uh, returning, uh, guys that you have back for special teams. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you the, the biggest thing there, I think, uh, Walrath, our punter, it does an excellent job and, and he, he's just a really good punter and, and, uh, Oftentimes he'll flip that field for us or, or, or pin our opponent back deep into their territory. And um, so we have come to expect really good uh, punting out of him. And, and he's another guy that's, that's a great leader and, and works really hard. And I'm very, very proud of him. Well, Hey coach, we appreciate you taking some time out. Wish you the best of luck Thursday night. It's Tarleton against Mississippi Valley state. That is a 7 PM central time kickoff on ESPN Plus. Uh, Coach Whitten, thanks again. Thank you all. Appreciate you all. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening to the WAC Podcast. Thanks for listening to the WAC Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And check out our website at WACsports.com.